All right, well, let's start on uh, section two. I think we covered section one, but we may go back to it. Uh, chapter, <laughs> is it 13? 15, I'm sorry. Close. All right, there's no one who does good and does not sin. Even the best may fall into great sins and offenses through the power and deceitfulness of the corruption in them, along with the strength of temptation. Therefore, God has mercifully provided in the covenant of grace that believers who sin and fall will be renewed through repentance to salvation. So this the title of this section, remember, is Repentance to Life and the Salvation. So there's kind of a difference there. We talked a lot about that, repentance to life. Um, I think there is a repentance involved in salvation. We'll talk about that um, and what it's like. It's still not something men do, something that's given to them by God. And repentance unto salvation is something that we as believers are given as a grace um, to help us renew us and bring us constantly to Christ and um, to convict us of our sin and uh, to remind us of our need for Jesus. So uh, number three says this saving repentance is a gospel grace in which those who are made aware by the Holy Spirit of the many evils of their sin by faith in Christ humble themselves for it with godly sorrow hatred of it and self-loathing they pray for pardon and strength of grace and determinant and endeavor by provisions from the holy spirit to live before god in a well-pleasing way in everything repentance must continue throughout our lives because of the body of death and its activities so it's everyone's duty to repent of each specific known sin specifically god has made full provision through christ and the covenant of grace to preserve believers in their salvation. Thus, though there is no sin so small that it is undeserving of damnation, yet there is no sin so great that it will bring damnation on those who repent. This makes the constant preaching of repentance necessary. So, just so wonderfully worded. Um, But, we need to talk about this uh, word, repentance, and what it means. Can I ask one question? Sure. Um, I know a church that uh, I have people that go there um, that believe that repentance isn't necessary for salvation. Okay. You've heard that before? Yeah. Well, and I think that that's true depending on what that mean, they mean by it. Because, as I said earlier, there's repentance unto life and repentance unto salvation. And I mentioned this last week. You know, a lot of people say, why, doesn't, why is the chapter before this called saving faith, but this chapter is not called repentance unto faith or saving repentance? Um, and I read in the commentaries that I read uh, a statement that said, um, because repentance is not necessary to salvation in the same way faith is. And so I had to wrestle with that because I wanted to know why did they say that. And so I believe I've come to the understanding that saving faith is by grace. By grace we are saved through faith. And repentance is by grace. I think the reason that's, uh, the reason people would say repentance is not necessary because the only thing necessary is saving faith. But here's the thing. And this is why I was going to look. Basically, the word for repentance in the New Testament, metanoia, means a change of mind. 
Now we've been taught. If you were, I was taught sort of. I've taught, been taught EE Evangelism Explosion. Yes. I've also been taught uh, CWT by the Southern Baptist Continuing Witness Training. Mm-hmm. In both of those, we we were taught that repentance means you're going one way, but now yes. you turn and go the other way. Yes. And that's not really accurate because what repentance means is a change of mind, not a change of direction. And so, in this sense, what repentance means. Uh, for a lost person, all right, they're dead. If they have been brought to life, that means obviously we all know that that something happened before the foundation of the world. They they've been there's been a general call. There's been a electing specific call where um, effectual call we refer to it. So the dead come from life. Now when they come from, I mean they come to life from death. Because we know there's an order of salvation. So if, if somebody says, I believe Christ. I mean, if they want to say, I accept Christ. He's my Savior and Lord. I believe in Him. Well, in essence, you've had a change of mind. Mm-hmm. A big change because your, your spiritual mind was dead. But you've been brought to life now. But also, you have essentially turned from believing in yourself. Believing in whatever idol you've had. Your mind has been changed by God to believe that Jesus is the Savior. So in that sense, there has been a repentance. But when we look at people and say, you, all right, part of salvation is, all right, say, you know, confess your sins and repent of your sins and then ask Jesus into your heart. All those things that, unfortunately, a lot of us have been taught as if people can repent on their own, but they can't. They're not capable. And especially dead people. I mean, how would what would they repent... Repentance would mean nothing to a dead person. So in that respect, repentance is not necessary. And this was actually, um, I, I knew I would forget the name of it. I should have wrote it down. There was a huge uh, theological uh, battle, in, I think, in the Church of Scotland years ago over that question. Do men have to, do, do men have to repent before they can be saved? The marrow controversy. That's it, the marrow controversy. And so, I mean, it, it split the church uh, in, in Scotland, right? Yeah. It split the church of Scotland over that question. Because some men said, yes, men have to acknowledge their sin and repent of it before they can be saved. And other men said, there's no way men have to do anything in order to be saved. Because if they do, then what else are we going to put on the list? It's a work. Yes. It's a work thing. In that regard. But now those same men, if I understand correctly what I've read and heard, would say... We're not suggesting there is no repentance and salvation. What we're saying is it's not a prerequisite to being saved. It's not a prerequisite to saving faith. We know that there has to be election, calling, regeneration, and then um, yeah, uh, then a, a saving faith that, um, that causes people, because they've been regenerated, now they believe in Christ, right? And... And then we know that order continues on to glorification. And in there, and like we talked about when we talked about the order of salvation, all this kind of happens in, I don't know how, if it's a blink of an eye or what happened, it all happens. But we do know that there was a, there had to be a succession of happenings, right? Because, but to us, maybe it seems like, man, it was just not. And then when they were. And I think a lot of people at the moment of, of rebirth, have a greater 
fear of their sin and recognition that, man, I was such a... And they're in tears and they're weeping because they recognize their sin has been forgiven. And I think that's the grace of repentance. But to tell somebody, okay, you cannot be saved until you repent. I think that's extra biblical and I think it's got things out of order. So in that regard, I would agree. Repentance is not necessary to salvation, but it is necessary for salvation unto life. And uh, uh, un- it is ne- it's not necessary to be justified and born again, but it is necessary to live out your salvation and be saved eventually. Because there's no way, just like our uh, confession stated, there's no way, I mean, it's a grace that God gives his people. So when you're born again, repentance is going to come. And like uh, Paul told Timothy uh, to teach those who contradict him uh, and contradict the truth in hopes that God will give them repentance. I mean, it's spelled out clearly right there. And um, so I think that's why this is so important because, hey, I was one of those, I mean, up until not too long ago, I would have agreed with you, whoever that friend was. I mean, I would have disagreed and said, I'm sorry, but there's no way you can be saved if you don't repent. Mm-hmm. But, um, I've had that discussion. Yeah, but I will, I will agree that Repentance is coming. You can't not have repentance and be saved. Well, it's a, it's a cause and effect relationship, right? Yeah. And so repentance is not the cause, it's the effect. God's renewal right. of the Holy Spirit, regeneration, that's the cause. The effect is repentance, calling out for Christ. Yeah. Uh, humbling it's a fruit of salvation. Right. Yeah. Not, you know, the fruits of the Spirit are spelled out, but it is a fruit of salvation, no doubt. I think just like works. You know, yeah, the right. works in Ephesians 2 were those we were created unto before the world began. Right. Walk in them. To right. walk in them. Mm-hmm. But you can't, it'd be the same as telling people, okay, now start doing, and we do this, unfortunately. If you start doing X, you know, start straightening up your life and do this and this and this, then you can, then you'll be saved. You know, and repent. But there again, what we tell people, that's why we preach the gospel. We do preach repentance, like the <laughs> confession says. But really, the repentance, to me, the, the preaching of repentance is to the church. Because the church needs to repent. Lost people, what are they repenting of? They don't even think they're doing anything wrong. And they haven't offended, you know, you're, you're offending me by telling me I've done something to repent of. And I told somebody this other day, and this is going to be on the recording, but I think I was talking to Sean. I said, you know, it was one of the problems I had when uh, uh, Donald Trump was president and everybody was trying to make him a Christian. Now, I hope he is. I don't know if he is. There was very little in his life suggesting he had been born again. But what he said after he was claiming to be a Christian, one time somebody asked him about repentance, and he said, I've never done anything I have to repent for. And I was just thinking, well, number one, he's had no teaching. Now, I'll grant that, you know, he's, I mean, he was being discipled by, who were that lady prophetess, wacko prophetess lady was. But, if he was being discipled. And I can say, okay, maybe he's a young Christian. But I have to say, even the even the youngest, earliest Christian, newest Christian that professes faith in Christ, there's going to be a recognition that I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, now I see. I was a sinner, but now I'm not. And, the, and there's got to be the Holy Spirit saying, okay, and again, it's, it comes from teaching, I understand that. But it always bothered me that so many people were trying to, I felt like trying to force this man into Christianity for political reasons. 
that nobody was concerned that the man knows nothing about Christianity and Christ. Somebody needs to stop and say, hey, you know, you have done stuff you need to repent of. You maybe don't, you don't recognize it yet, but if you're born again, you know, yes, there's some things we repent of sin. And, um, but that's neither here nor there. I don't know um, how that's changed, if it has at all. But it was kind of a, I was amazed at how many people that didn't bother like, how could you not be, how are you okay with a Christian saying, I've never done anything I need to repent of? Because at the very least, if you recognize Jesus as Savior, you know he's a Savior from sin. So you've got, at least out of ignorance, you should say, well, I'm not repenting because Jesus paid for all my sin. You know, that wouldn't necessarily be correct either, but that would be a little more accurate than, oh, I've never done anything to repent, have to repent of. But... I think it's a. I think it is a gospel grace and a, and a fruit of salvation. I think you're right, Michael, and it's something that will come. Thank you. Yeah. Well, that's exactly. Huh? Kitsch's. <clears throat> Sorry, I've got Kitsch's catechism. If you want to. Yeah. It says, "What is repentance unto life?" And then it says, "Repentance unto life is a saving grace, whereby a sinner, out of the true sense of his sin and apprehension of the mercy of God in Christ." doth with grief and hatred of his sin turn from it unto God with full purpose of and endeavor after new obedience. Yeah. So, so it's kind of like... what pursuit, but there is a, a recognition that has to happen first. So I think in 1 John 1, 9, right, when it's talking about con, confess with your sin, you know, confess that you're... So, so, if we confess, he is faithful and just to forgive us. Yeah, and so yeah. I, I, think, I think really repentance is... That understanding that you are agreeing with God that you are a sinner. That's right. And that you need grace. That's repentance. It's, it's that change of mind is that I'm going from thinking like a sinner to now seeing it the way God sees it. And I'm agreeing, yes, God, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. So that's repentance. And, you know, 15.3 where I hear it, basically it's defining the whole saving repentance. That's right. And so that's the reaction after you come to that understanding. There, yeah. there is these further actions that manifest yeah. themselves. You know. Yeah, and I was just thinking when you read that, I was thinking about the catechism that we use in Sunday morning, and they have it they have it kind of opposite of what I'm saying here. In a way, they're saying who will be saved? Only those who repent of sin and believe in Christ will be saved. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and this is a Baptist catechism. What, what's your, what catechism? It's Keech's. Benjamin Keech. Keech's. Which was like the earliest I could find that it was attached to like a picture of was one printed in 1850 it was attached to the Philadelphia because the Philadelphia adopted the 1689 and added two paragraphs and it became like the Philadelphia Baptist right. Benjamin Keach was I mean he would be considered one of our founding fathers yeah. of uh, confessional faith I tried to use his in our Sunday morning. I was going to change to it, but some of his things are like, you know, like that one's good. But then you get to one, it's like, oh gosh, I mean, it take you know six paragraphs of, and that's one reason I used this one because it's so simple. But I realized I don't think I like that answer out there because, but again, I, I wish they would have. I wish they would have reversed it. Said one who believes in Christ and repents of sin, because then it would be correct. Maybe I'll just change it myself. I mean, it's not it's not the Bible, so I can't change it. You know. Change it, make it right. Question 90 says, What doth God require of us that we may escape his wrath and curse due to us for sin? And then the answer is, 
to escape the wrath and curse of God due to us for sin, God requireth, requireth of us faith in Jesus Christ, repentance unto life, with the diligent use of all the outward means whereby Christ communicated to us the benefits of redemption. And both faith and repentance are described as saving grace. So right. It's not like but he, he uses that phrase, repentance unto life, which again, I think is correct because repentance unto life is changing your mind about who you were and who you are now mm-hmm. as opposed to saying I'm going to repent and because I changed my, because I've changed my mind now God will save me but I think it's the other way yeah. God has saved me and changed my mind yeah. and so now I repent of my sin I, th- I, I think that's a more proper way um, and like I say some of these things are and you can't say okay these are just technicalities I'm all bickering over this but you know, it, it goes when you want to do things right and get things right. It's part of that, because, because words matter. Words matter, and word order matters. Yes. And what, and I'm learning more and more as I try to really preach the pure gospel. How much tainted it has been in my own life, mm-hmm. and how much works we have put into it, and the things we tell people to do. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about, um, uh, you know, when Jesus told somebody something had saved them it's always your faith has saved you go your faith has saved you um and of course we've taken that and messed it up if you just believe better you'd be healed and you'd be saved well but even you know in the in the i think about acts when the when uh, peter was preaching and there was so much conviction and the spirit was so uh, you know about to rain down on the people and was and they asked well, then what do we, they heard the gospel and said, then what do we do? Well, obviously, I think for Peter, belief and faith was already there because they're, they're not saying, you know, they're saying, what do I, we've heard the message, what do we do? Well, repent. You know, it's was like the, step two, basically. Yeah, yeah, repent. And, of course, you know, he's talking to Jews, too, because they recognize he's saying, we killed, we killed the Prince of Glory. You're saying we killed him. We put we're responsible for his death. Pricked to the heart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they were pricked to the heart. And again, I think that's. That's the spirit. I think so because again, uh, why would some people just walked away and wagged their heads? I'm sure this guy. Just like they did with Stephen. Some of them heard Stephen. That's this guy. He's crazy. Or some of them threw rocks at him. But some of them, no doubt, believed. And. and the same with Jesus, John the Baptist, everybody else that preached. And, you know, that's the difference. John the Baptist preaching was repentance. I mean, he was really preaching to the Jews to repent of uh, what they, how they had denied God and left God. And um, it, wasn't so much, it wasn't so much of a... John wasn't preaching a gospel message to be born again. He was preaching to the Jews to repent of... The fact that they had denied their God. I mean, they had walked away from him and uh, all their idolatry and all the things that, um, and warning them that the Messiah is coming. Um, so there is a, because, you know, he would look at them and say, repent and now go and act like you've repented. And he wasn't saying repent and be born again. I think he was talking to God's people who were believers. And, of course, some weren't believers, obviously. Um, but anyways I think I think there's a difference there but 
And so, I, and it is important, especially in preaching. And I think it, it's helping me to think this through when I'm preaching on repentance. My aim and goal should be to preach to us and God's people, and because uh, repentance is something that God gives to us, and through preaching repentance and preaching against sin, preaching the law, the third use of the law for us will serve to us as a guide to recognize, man, I'm short of this. I've, I've failed this. I'm breaking this. Then I preach, I preach the law and the gospel, so that lost people be brought to life by hearing. You're a lawbreaker, but here's Jesus. Christ died because you can't keep the law. In perfect time, if the law could have been uh, sufficient in saving, then Christ wouldn't have had to come, but he has to come. So look into Christ and look away from yourself. In a way, I'm I, in saying that, I am saying repent, but I recognize they can't repent of sin until they believe in Christ, right? And so, um, and even though... Maybe that happens like that. However, it happens, um, and like you said, words matter. So when we're preaching and teaching, we want to be clear that we don't call something gospel that's not. The repentance is repentance is not gospel. The gospel is good news, right? The law presses on people and lets other sinners. The gospel is the good news that Christ died for your sin, and there's forgiveness and covers your sin. And now, and then I think it's proper to say, so if you're looking to Christ, now turn from your sin and uh, and do works worthy of repentance, like John the Baptist would say. But a lost person is not going to understand that, right? He's not going to understand do good works. That doesn't make any sense. But um, when when they're brought from death to life, they will. Anything else? And I think it's important to think about, you know, we've also we've also had a tendency to be very harsh and judgmental, deciding who's lost and who's saved. Because we you know, there are certain sins that we look at somebody and say, Oh, well, if they're doing that, then they're not saved. But I think Again, that's why we continue to preach repentance. Because, okay, if this person has no repentance of the sin forever in their life, probably not born again. But people can be living in repentance to a sin and still be sinning the sin. Right? And I think that we don't understand that. Now, I think, again, we have to, okay, how far can we carry that? And to me, this is my problem. This is where I think the um, sexual revolution that we're under misses it and where the church had, in a lot of ways fails this because we're saying hey we got we're being told you got to love these people that are different than you and you got to accept them well loving them and accepting them, I don't know what you know again we got to define these terms but here's what we can't do we can't call something that God has called sin okay and we can't stop calling people to repentance. I think it is proper to love people. If they're born again, then they have to have a change of mind. They've got to say, they've got to agree with God. So I can have patience with any sinner who agrees with God that what they're doing is sinful. 
as opposed to somebody who says, oh, no, you accept this because I've decided this is right for me, and I've got plenty of people that are Christians that tell me this is okay, so it's okay. No, it's, to me, that's, that may be a very strong example of somebody who's not born again, right? But for somebody to say, and again, I don't have to deal, I haven't had to deal with this. I'm sure I will at some point, specifically. But somebody who really honestly says, I struggle with this. I struggle with this kind of, whether it's homosexuality, whether it's adultery, you know, I struggle with, whatever I struggle with sexually, we, we, all right, well, first, we've got to get to this point. Do you agree with God that this is sin? If you agree with God that this is sin, then we're on a good path. If you're telling me you're doing this and you have no guilt about it and you feel like this is okay, then when you look at the scripture and see that it's not okay, and you need to keep understanding and hearing that it's not okay till, till at some point God gives you repentance. And even pray that God give you repentance over the sin. Because again, we look, at, we look at certain things and say, well, there's no, this person, you can't do this and be a Christian. Okay. But how, where do we draw the line and say you can't do this and be a Christian? I know what the Bible says. There will be none, neither, none of these kind of people, these kind of people, these kind of people won't inherit the kingdom of God. Certainly. But I think, again, that is these kind of people that see this as no sin and they just keep living this way and they think there's no sin about, about it. You can't say there's never been an adulterer that God has saved and is going to heaven because that's not true. There's never been a homosexual that God has saved and is going to heaven. That is not true because God does that. Um, just like liars. God has saved plenty of liars and they'll be in heaven. But, and again, I think this is why it's so important to preach repentance and not stop. You know, we can't just become a self-help seven ways to make your life happier and to be a more successful man or woman. We've got to preach the Bible and preach repentance. Repentance unto life and repentance unto salvation and understand what those mean and without having to use those words necessary, necessarily. But we preach the gospel and we preach repentance knowing that the only people that will repent is God's people, right? So again, it's not wrong for me to preach to a bunch of lost people, um, look into Christ, be saved, turn from your sin, repent of your sin, because the only people that can hear that and understand are people that have saving faith, right? So it's not wrong, but I think it just needs to be, for me as a preacher and a pastor, it needs to be clear in my mind. I want it to be clear in yours too. So when you're talking to people or you're reading you can see those differences in Scripture and see um, what it's talking about. But I do think it's important to keep in mind that repentance means that, a change of mind. And the truth is... What is uh, the difference between uh, repentance under life or repentance under Well, the best, the best way I can understand it um, is repentance under life is when um, people have been brought from death to life. So being born again, at, at the point that God gives you saving faith to believe in Christ, there... Regeneration? Well, I think, I think it would be following regeneration because you can't repent until you've been saved, I think, because you're dead. So I think when our, our forefathers refer to repentance of life... They're talking about from death to life. So God gives, God gives you a change of mind from serving yourself or your idols or whatever to now you're following Christ. So there's been a sense of a repentance, so to say. 
And then repentance unto salvation, I think, would be repentance for all believers of our own sin for a lifetime until we get to God because it's part of our salvation. And I think that, again, we need to be able to differentiate between justification and salvation because I think salvation is God is saving us, has been saving us, and will save us. He justified us at some point in time, one time. Yeah. So I think the best I can understand, and I hope I'm not wrong, I think that's the difference. And like I said, it'd be, I would be careful. to. I, w- I don't know how much I would teach that in a Sunday morning sermon, but I think it's good for us as God's people to know repentance unto life is what happens when you're born again, when you're regenerated. God brings you from death to life, and so you've had a change of mind in that now you're following Christ instead of the world or yourself or Satan or whatever it was, all of it, all of the above. And repentance unto salvation is the continuous, constant repentance that God gives to us over our sin as God's people. And like same, it's the same thing, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say the same thing, but it is part of sanctification. Yes, sir. And like I said, I don't know. Is that important? I think it's pretty important, especially considering that this subject split that split the whole church at one time in one area at one time. Uh, I would like to read that book. I, I saw about that book. The, uh, the tell me again the Mar- marrow marrow controversy. Marrow. Yeah, but they, were, you know what? they were called the marrow men. Sinclair Ferguson. Yes. Wrote a book that's based on that, so it's yeah. a little more. Uh, that's the book. I'm glad you said that because I've got it right here. I'm gonna I'm gonna buy it. I haven't bought it yet. It's called the Whole Christ. So if you're interested in in a book about that, it's called the Whole Christ by Sinclair Ferguson. Because I want to read it, but I've already bought three books to read at the beach next week. So I'm gonna try to do that while I'm gone. I, I'm pretty sure I will not make it, but I'm not that fast of a reader. Any other questions? Um, I like the way Westminster put it a little better, maybe. I don't know. Because theirs is just repentance unto life. They don't go into repentance unto salvation. But the third point in that, in their confession, says... Although repentance is not to be rested in as any sanctification for sin or any cause of the pardon thereof, which is the act of God's free grace in Christ, yet it is of such necessity to all sinners that none may expect pardon without it. But I thought that was like, it's the same thing. Like yeah. Repentance is not to be rested in. Right. Because yeah. I've, I've heard that same thing where like, that's what a lot of people are resting in is, oh, well, I repented and yeah. didn't do this anymore and that's how I know I'm saved and, but like even the Westminster is saying it's necessary but yeah. like don't you, your trust is not in that because it doesn't save you that's right Jesus and his work that's right you. exactly and see there's those little things we've we've turned and twisted until we've confused things and uh, and it's made things you know and you think about you're sitting in the pulpit and you hear this preacher and he confuses a little bit well, then the next two generations of preachers, they confused a little more until you got, you know, I thought about that a few weeks ago sitting there listening to a, a friend of mine preach about you have to invite Jesus. You've got to invite him. If you've never invited him, he's not coming. He's not going to push his way through. He's not going to push down anything and get to you. 
And uh, I thought, man, and he's he was genuine. He wasn't, you know, this guy's not a fool. But I was thinking the whole time how sad because... Um, then it's on us. Yes. Well, and plus you just got God sitting there waiting on you to do something, yeah. which really makes it more... It's not Baptist at all. Well, I'm glad he didn't do that with me because I, I never would have been saved. Yeah. I'm glad he reached. Well, and Paul, I mean, Paul would have, you know, Saul would have never been saved. None of us would have. We know that. But, I mean, um, and you think about, uh, I wish I could remember this quote I saw this week. It said kind of the same thing. Um, I screenshot it. Sent it you know, Joseph would have never been saved. When you think about that and all those things that happened to him. Right. Like, I mean, what kind of? I, I wondered that in reading the story of Joseph's life. What kind of work of God has to take place in your heart for when the, your brothers show up not to be like, "I'm in charge now." Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's time for you to die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I mean, <laughs> not to be that vengeful, but instead, in the end, like, this is the quote I was thinking. I found it says, "Being born in your sin wasn't your fault, but dying in it will be." But then it finishes with Jesus saves. Oh, no. <laughs> like, how mixed up is that, though? You know, because in essence, okay, you are charged with your own sin, and you, you, if you die in your sin, it's because God left you in your sin, and you got what you chose. Well, just like God commands everybody everywhere to repent, right? Yes, but only those that have ears to hear what the Spirit yes. says will be the ones that will actually okay. respond to it. Yeah. Well, so everyone's I, like held under the law still yes. and accountable. Right. So yes. God is not accountable. Yes. But, like, yeah. Yeah. but it's still just such a hopeless statement, you know? Mm-hmm. Like you didn't. Well, it's very man centered. I mean, yes. it's just very. Mm-hmm. It's all about us. We've got to do this. We got you know Jesus knocking on the heart. You know yeah. what? That whole passive. But also, yeah, it's also an effort to remove guilt. Well, look, it wasn't your fault you were born in sin. But the Bible never dismisses that in that way. You, you were born in sin. So, okay, yeah, Adam brought it to us, but it's your guilt, and you're just as guilty. And I just think it, it's just funny. Sometimes you look at stuff and, like, you know, it makes you crazy. Because, like, how do you not get it better than that? So are you saying that uh, basically, um, uh, you know, sanctification is a process and progress? 